वन सो हेयर इज आई रिमेंबर यू बाई हेयर शाहुगर दो तेर पार्ट वन चैप्टर फाइव आई होप यू आर गोइंग टू लाइक इट सो लेट्स गेट स्टार्ट इट चैप्टर फाइव द फेडेड वाइट वुडन क्रोसेज ले साइड बाई साइड ऑन द लिटिल किचन टेबल देयर मेलनकली अपेयरेंस कंट्रेस्टिंग विद द स्पोर्टेड टेबल क्लॉथ दैट वॉज ट्राइंग इट्स बेस्ट टू मेक थिंग्स लुक मोर चेयरफुल दे हैव नथिंग टू डू विद द हाउस सेट करदार who had not seemed too annoyed about having to put his shoes on again when he had heard catering shouting from outside but was now clearly tired of this topic he would have chucked the crosses onto the pile of timber outside long ago if catering had not objected you can see for yourself that the crosses have broken or been broken off graves somewhere and then brought here if the graves had been where you found the crosses the stumps would have been sticking out of the grass why would anyone remove crosses from graves and throw them out here katrin could not take her eyes off the weathered wood and peeling white paint i agree leaf was standing in the corner as far from the table as possible her arms were crossed on her chest and her face was full of displeasure at katrin's discovery at her feet lay putty sound asleep after his meal of liverwurst and assorted other delicacies now and again he twitched as if involved in some great adventure in dreamland who would do such a thing should not we be asking why a child and a woman maybe its mother would have been buried here behind the house i find that much more difficult to comprehend than the fact that the crosses were thrown out there and they would have been in a much worse state if they had been left there untouched for more than half a century someone must have maintained them over the years yet this house has been more or less empty gadar read the faint inscription on the bronze plates attached to the crosses huge birth 1946 death 1951 and burgis birth 1999 Death, 1951. He rubbed his eyes. Forget this. Let's put the crosses back where we found them, and ask someone who might know something about it. When we are back in Istafundesur, it is my guess that headstones replaced the crosses, and whoever was whoever was responsible was uncomfortable about getting rid of them. Whether that person or those persons had ties to this house, I had no idea. But there is no reason to make a big deal out of it. Catherine gnawed her upper lip thoughtfully. Yeah, maybe she stared out through the dirty kitchen window. I cannot do anything about it, but it still makes me feel uncomfortable. Even though you might think it silly, there is something unnatural about this. I had a very strong feeling that something bad was going on here when I saw the crosses poking up out of the weeds. That's how they were not just thrown haphazardly into the hollow. But why? Leaf pressed herself back even further into the corner. I am absolutely certain those people are buried there. I have no idea how they got there. But if I were going to bury just one person, let alone two, on this side, I had choose flat ground over that hollow. Maybe whoever it was wanted to hide the graves. Catherine was unhappy with how weeny she sounded. And then put crosses on them. Gardar gave her a tired smile. Believe me. These crosses come from somewhere else. There are no graves in that depression. Should we try digging a bit? Catherine looked at Gardar, hoping he would say no. She did not want to find coffins or skeletons a mere hundred meters from the house. Maybe the graves are somewhere else around here.
we would check it out if there are graves here i am off leaf's voice grew more agitated with each word her reaction had surprised katrin because even though leaf was generally highly strung she was never this much of a nervous wreck maybe it was too soon after inas death for her to tolerate hearing about people dying in strange circumstances i will swim if i have to that's enough nonsense kartar bristled no one is going anywhere and we are not searching for graves around the house do you really want me to start digging the place up he did not wait for a reply but added no way firstly we won't find anything and secondly we had end up wasting all our time on it he stood up grimacing slightly things are going to go slowly enough after that bloody hike my legs are killing me he moved over to the wall by the door and stretched one calf muscle we have got to work hard if we want to get things finished on time and that's hardly going to happen if i am limping around out there with stiff muscles and blisters searching for old graves with you screaming over my shoulder every time my shovel hits a rock Catherine knew he was right though he could have worded it more tactfully but she refrained from pointing out his lack of tact the last thing they needed in this lonely place was to end up pissed off with each other okay but it's pretty strange you must admit strange it is not just strange cried leaf it is weird she seemed to regret her choice of words and hurriedly added was the guy who owned the house not quite right in the head can we expect more of this kind of thing kartar had never properly told katrin the story of the house he must have received some information when he purchased it but she knew this was partly down to her she had shown limited interest in the project and allowed him to prattle on about renovations timber countersinks etc without joining in she turned to gadar could he have had something to do with this crosses what sort of man was the previous owner anyway gadar relaxed his right calf and started stretching his left this seemed more effective since it made him scold even harder there is only there is only what i have already told you he was just some guy and no i don't think this crosses can be connected to him in any way he acquired the place long after the crosses were put on the graves judging by the dates on them he relaxed his calf and moved away from the wall he was also a bit of a loner and married and childless so i don't think he had have brought the crosses with him from rekajwik he never lived here or in istapundisur could he have had a wife that he never told anyone about leaf's voice trembled slightly have had a child with her and then killed them gardar looked at the ceiling in expression somehow i doubt it he would have had to have been an extremely early starter the guy would hardly have been more than 10 years old when this huge was born he sighed the crosses have nothing to do with the house and they were probably put there by some tourist or god knows who i woke up to the sound of someone talking last night leaf pursued her lips until they went white i don't know why i did not tell you about it this morning but it seems to me coming from the ground floor there is something wrong with this house that's enough gadar seemed unhappy about the way the conversation was developing no doubt he missed having inar there or simply any other man who he could roll his eyes at
you dreamed it it's true that there is plenty wrong with this house but it all has to do with the maintenance which is why we are here he shook his head and muttered voices jesus i know what i heard and it was just one voice a child voice the house would work cracked loudly just as lif said this and she jumped see gardar sounded triumphant that's what you heard houses makes all sort of noises especially old wooden shacks like this you are just more aware of it at night when everything's quiet it was not a creak like that it was a voice Catherine did not want to hear any more about Liv's dreams. She did not want to fuel her own imagination with the idea that every crack or creak of the house was a voice speaking or whispering. I agree with Gardar Liv. You dreamed it. You know how it is when you are drowsy. You start imagining all sorts of nonsense. Before Liv could reply, she turned to Gardar. But even if the guy did not have any children, he must have had hairs. Why did not they want to keep the house? In a way, this was an odd question. The house was dilapidated, yet according to the skipper who had sold them to the area, property here was sought after. How would I know? Maybe they are all old. Maybe they are all old and have no interest in making the trip out here. There is no electricity and the house is in need of repairs, which is something not everyone is willing to deal with. Maybe the people needed their money more than some shack in the middle of now here. There are probably a million reasons. I did not want to start asking the state agent about some dead guy, even if you would not have hesitated. Well, I would not. Though Liv said this, Catherine knew better. Liv was not much given to verbosity. Things were either wonderful or rubbish, and decisions were made without much reflection. Her and Inar's strong financial situation had perhaps inspired her response. The consequences of blundering into some sort of badly thought-out plan were never so awful that it made much difference one way or another. Catherine found the discussion of the house previous owner a welcome distraction and she regretted having made a big deal about the crosses. She particularly regretted having made Gardar hobble out on his sore feet and having startled Leif. She was embarrassed. She was impressed that she had not simply grabbed the crosses and brought them in, but it was too late now. She would have to fix this by shaking off the unpleasant feeling their isolation seemed to inspire in her and make sure that Leif did not sense it. She seemed to be in such a state that the slightest sign of anxiety on Catherine's part would fuel her fear. Catherine stood up and went over to Gardar. Are not you glad we were not with you? The state agent would probably have cancelled the sale. She put her arms around him. Through his thick clothes, she could feel warmth emanating from him and hoped that it was mutual, though he seemed distant and did not return the embrace. He was probably uncomfortable in front of Leif since he was never one for public displays of affection. Yet Catherine had the sneaking suspicion that there was more to it and that Gardar knew more about the house owner than he was willing to admit. I am very glad. Gardar pushed a curl that had detached itself from the rest of Catherine's tangled mess of hair out of her eyes. He looked past her and winked and smiled at Leif. Catherine could not see Leif's reaction, but she hoped that this friendly display would calm her down. 
Gardhar turned back to his wife and put his arms around her. Shall we stop chattering and get back to work? Catherine sighed. I have hardly got the energy to paint any more today. Is not there something that we can do with our eyes shut? She felt too content in Gardhar's arms to tear herself away from him and resume working. The sun had sunk even lower in the sky since the food had been put on the table and all at once it was as if darkness was descending. Suddenly, the kitchen did not seem as ugly. The yellowed paint on the walls looked less patchy and the stains of years gone by faded into the background. Gardhar squeezed Catherine slightly, awkwardly, before loosening his grip. We can take better advantage of the rest of the light if we do something outside. We could start ripping out the rotten planks from the porch. It will warm as up as well. Come on, Leaf, some fresh air will perk you up. Well, I'm not going to stay in here by myself. Leaf's voice seems to have regained its former assurance and she sounded normal again. She smiled at them and emerged from the corner. It's probably warmer outside than in. I am freezing to death. She nudged Booty with her toe and he woke with a start, looking impressed at not having remained on the alert. He stood up and stretched with a yawn. As soon as Liv said this, Catherine felt the cold that had crept over them like the dusk. She automatically zipped her flask all the way up her neck and pulled its sleeves over her fingers. They would certainly warm up working, ups, working outside. Me neither, we are definitely lighting the stove as soon as we come back in, screws sparing the firewood. Still, the longer they waited to light the fire, the better. The amount of firewood had seemed endless as they carried it from the fire, but last night when they had fetched some logs to fire up the stove, before they went to bed for the night, the stack had looked worryingly low. None of them wanted to spend their final evening shivering, so they had agreed to light the stove as little as possible. I will work like the devil himself is driving me if you put those crosses back where you found them. I cannot imagine having them in the house tonight, said Leaf. It was a reasonable enough proposition, but no matter how much Catherine tried to pluck up her courage to go and return the crosses, she could not shrug off the profound unease that prevented her from actually doing so. Agreed, she said at last. Leaf seemed to cheer up again at Catherine's assent. Good, I would not sleep a wink with these things in the house. Gardar opened his mouth as if he were planning to say something, maybe to ask when they had become so neurotic, but he stopped and merely nodded. He grabbed the crosses and took them to a little space between the kitchen and the back door where someone had put up some makeshift shelves for provisions. The shelves were mostly empty. They had arranged their doors on the bottom one, but otherwise the only things on them were some dusty, empty wooden crates, as well as the cardboard boxes containing the things whose ownership they had been puzzling over. They managed to put on their outer wear in the narrow space without bumping into each other too much. Gardar took the crosses with him. Catherine a crowbar and hammer, while Liv settled for a can of fizzy drink that she had grabbed from the kitchen. The air outside was pleasantly clean and fresh, and Catherine could not help but stand there and enjoy the feeling of filling her lungs again, allowing her sore muscles to rest for the final push in the day's repairs. 
In the meantime, Gardar set off for the hollow to return the crosses with Putty at his heels, while Liv sat on the porch sipping her drink. They watched Gardar in silence as he inched his way through the Angelica that swallowed Putty as soon as they stepped into it, then vanished when he bent down to replace the crosses in the clump of weeds. Catherine's heart beat faster when he did not reappear immediately. What would she do if he vanished entirely? Leaf would certainly lose her mind and she was not sure that she herself would not do the same. But Catherine did not need to wonder about this for long because suddenly from the brush emerged the dark blue jacket for which she had paid a large sum as his Christmas present two years earlier. Then Gartar swept, swept his head off his head, smiled at them and held up his other hand, thumb raised. Catherine was relieved but still felt uneasy inside. Her discomfort at being alone in this place refused to slacken its grip, just as the last withered leaves on the branches beside the house stubbornly refused to fall. She smiled back and waved, determined to go with him next time he and Liv climbed the hole climbed the hill in search of a mobile phone signal. The hike could hardly be any more unbearable than how she would feel if something happened to them or they got lost up there. Well then, that's that out of the way. Kardar's breath was visible, as was Putty's, though less so. Shall we work on the porch while there is still enough light to see? He kicked at the corner of the porch, jolting Liv, who was sitting on the edge of it, just next to him. This is probably all completely rotten. Then should we tear it up? If it is, Catherine stepped from the porch onto the grass. Liv was jolted again and this time a little bit of her drink splashed from the can. We don't have the wood to replace it. If we had brought along everything we needed, we had still be carting stuff up from the pyre now. I guess we will have to come back later, maybe even bring a carpenter with us. He put his hand out from the crowbar Catherine was holding. A carpenter? Catherine stopped kicking at the porch. We cannot afford a carpenter. I thought the materials and the things we have already bought would be enough. She felt a sudden flush of panic. They were a whisker away from going bankrupt. All the money Gardar had scrapped together from securities, trading had vanished in the form of worthless stocks, leaving behind nothing but debts. In fact, they were technically bankrupt, but the banking system kept them afloat thanks to some tricks that Catherine did not completely understand and left Gardar to deal with. But these solutions were only superficial. The clock was clearly ticking and soon the life raft would be set adrift. Her income and Gardar's unemployment benefit might have been sufficient if they had been debt-free and got around by bicycle, but they had spent the money that was supposed to ease their payments over the next few months on renovations to this house, and there was not a krona remaining. The notion that they could afford to hire a to hire a carpenter to work so far from civilization on a full-time wage plus special location allowance was about as realistic as them tearing down the house and building a new one. We cannot afford it, you know that. 
As so often during their conversations on this topic, Gardar ignored her protests since there was more to it than simply not being able to hire a skilled worker. No less than their entire future was at risk. Their hopes and dreams would come to nothing, even though their plans had not been particularly ambitious. A house, two cars, and later children, no more than the usual. Though it might prove painful, Catherine could just as well live without these things, but Kardar seemed incapable of dealing with the reality. She was starting to think that he felt everything would be doomed if he said a single word about the situation now. Let's just try tearing up one damaged corner and we will see, he suggested. He stuck the crowbar beneath a bone out plank. He stuck the crowbar beneath a worn out plank and stepped on the shaft. Creaking and cracking sounds hindered further conversation as he struggled with the wood. Catherine stood at a distance and watched. Too angry to participate in this demolition project, she was called again. Don't worry about the money. Liv, who had stood up, whispered in her ear. If we need to hire a carpenter, I can see to that. We are all in this together and I have plenty of money. She placed her hand on Catherine's shoulder but then let it fall again awkwardly. Inar converted most of our assets into euros just before the crash and he had life insurance too so I am doing okay and I don't fritter it away, do I? Catherine looked at her and smiled. She could think of few women who spent as much as Liv did on clothes, haircuts, bags, shoes and other necessities. And although Liv might be well off at the moment, Catherine doubted that her resources would be enough to maintain the lifestyle to which Liv had accumulated herself while Inar was alive. At least not for long, as the CEO of one of the biggest companies in Iceland, Inar had had a very good income before the crash and when the company had changed hands, he was given a handsome severance payment, no doubt leaving him potentially very free for the rest of his life as far as money was concerned. But brokerage accounts were one thing, a steady income quite another. The former could take some serious hits if investments were not managed properly and she could not envision Liv paying attention to such things any more than she could envision her getting a job. Thanks for the kind offer, but it's better if we try to manage these repairs ourselves. It is good for us, for you too. She smiled warmly at Liv since her offer had been gracious, but Catherine had no interest in taking money from her even if the gesture was well intended unless they were able to match Liv's contribution. She had even less faith in the idea that Kardar could live with accepting charity from Inar's widow. Well, let's see, if it all goes pear-shaped, you know the offer still stands. Liv took a sip of her drink, looking fairly relaxed. She watched as Kardar worked relentlessly away at his demolition project. I am so happy that I get to be here with you. I hate always being alone. Well, of course. An icy wind blew around the house and Catherine felt the cold air slip in beneath her jacket. The chill it gave her, however, was quickly forgotten when the long plank that Kardar was working on came free, providing a glimpse of the earth that had lain untouched beneath the porch for decades, maybe even an entire century. At first glance, it was unremarkable, 
merely dark and indistinguishable but after a moment she noticed yellowish strips in the black soil what's that gardar put down the broken plank and looked into the gap i don't know he bent down and poked at the soil these are bones bird bones it looks like he brushed away the dry soil and pulled out two little bones the size of fingers no that does not make sense katrin bent down to gardar the bones looked old and dirty they are far too chunky they must have they must be from a ship but what are bones doing here the same anxiety the crosses has awakened in her appeared again she knew little or nothing about bones but she knew enough to realize that these were too thick to belong to a bird it suddenly crossed her mind that they were human it would certainly put an interesting spin on things if the graves she feared were near the house were literally underneath it ugh that's disgusting are you joking Leaf put down her drink cane and peered over Catherine's shoulder into the darkness. It must be the remains of some food that fell under the porch or as a fox dragged the bones here. Maybe there was a den here once. The house is old and the bones don't look recent. Kardar continued to brush the soil away carefully and found more bones. Now the entire skeleton of an animal which did in fact appear to be a fox see look what did i tell you why is there a dead fox under the porch katrin looked as far beneath the porch as she could but saw nothing except darkness don't they usually die in their dens probably they are just as likely to die anywhere maybe the poor things starved here during a spell of bad weather he shrugged and i had guessed these two bones we found first are from the fox as well gardar held up the bones in question which did not actually appear to fit anywhere in the seemingly intact skeleton lying in the soil beneath them but none of them said anything the only sound that emerged from the group into the twilight was putty's whine as he sniffed hopefully at the bones in gardar's hand then backed away trotted It was not until they were snuggled up close to each other in their zipped together sleeping bags that Catherine realized Gardar's explanation did not really fit. In rural areas, foxes keep themselves far from human habitations and would never make a den under a house like this. But Gardar was asleep and Catherine refrained from nudging him awake to share her revelation with him. She was even less keen on disturbing Leaf. who also lay fast asleep beside them the dog curled up but alert on top of her sleeping bag instead she pondered how the bones had ended up beneath this rickety porch falling asleep before she reached any conclusion katrin's breathing had long since become regular when a vague human voice drifted up from downstairs a soft child voice which seemed to repeat the same undistinguishable words over and over they were too exhausted to be woken up by it or to let putty's low growl disrupt their sleep thank you for joining me i hope you like it